0: This is episode 137 on The Herpreneur Show. Today, we have the incredible Sharon Williams, who is the founder of the multi-award winning branding agency, Taurus. Welcome to The Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum. And I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health, and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to uplevel your next stage in greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. Hello, welcome back. Last episode, we dived into four questions to help you unlock your genius zone, to really know where to point that compass. And one of the questions I mentioned was, if you were completely unprepared and you had to walk into a room to talk about this topic, this subject, you could do it with absolutely no preparation. Well, let me tell you, Sharon Williams, who we have today on the show, could talk business, business, business every angle of business until the cows come home. (laughs) This is an incredible conversation. We dive into branding, but also the real life stuff that happens in business. I just love this conversation. As you know, the Herpreneur Show, the topics are women, business, life, and Sharon brought them all to the table. So before I bring Sharon onto the show, let me share with you a little bit about her. You probably know her face on so many TV shows, on the news. She's continually called in as she's known as one of the world's leading PR strategists and experts on personal branding reputation, also a public speaker, entrepreneur, broadcasting media. She has an incredible blog called, called The Bullseye, which is on 9MSM with over 60,000 views each week and was also voted top 25 business bloggers in Australia by Smart Company. Sharon Williams is a force to be reckoned with. She has recently launched her tourist TV show. Today, you're going to hear all the magic that comes out of her mouth and everything that we mentioned today on the show. There's going to be links below for you to be able to continue the journey of Sharon. But without further ado, let me introduce you to the incredible conversation with Sharon Williams. Very excited to be here. Thank you, Annette. Now, Sharon, you have a very interesting journey, 27 years in business, and I'm sure you have learned what to do, what not to do, and we're going to dive into branding today. What I would love to know, though, Sharon, is you started off in London. We can hear your beautiful accent. (laughs) Went to Hong Kong, came to Australia and launched your first company here, tell us who were you in this journey? Were you always in business? Were you surrounded by business? Were you surrounded by being a branding specialist? Can we find out the journey before you actually landed here in Australia? Uh, who were you? Sure, wonderful. Well, um I think
1: everybody's journey brings something different to the business that you're going to create um, and I guess I was very lucky that I was. Born of strong women. So, my mother was brought up in an orphanage, um, didn't know her parents, married my father in the 60s, and um, their marriage broke up. So, very shortly um, after I was born, she was a single mum. I had a younger sister. Um, and then my father's mother and his aunts founded a school. So, I was living with my single mum and my sister and then went to school where my grandmother was my deputy headmistress and my great-aunt was my headmistress. And it was a small Jean Brodie-style girls' school in London just at the base of Harrow on the Hill where the famous boys' school is. And I guess watching them and going on holiday when my parents were working and being on holiday with my great aunt and all my teachers. I mean, Auntie Jean was Mrs. Hill's in turn time, and <laughs> Auntie Joan was geography teacher in term time. I guess I never ever, and that they weren't wealthy. They were they they were founding a school out of love. Um, and it was a girls' school with very high. Moral codes, but in the seventies, and it was a very different time in the seventies and the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never ever thought that I couldn't do or be anything that I wanted to be. Um, Love that, and I I don't know whether that's I was just born like that or whether it was the environment that I had around me mm-hmm. that I've I've always jumped in two feet forward. I think as women, we don't, we usually don't have high ego women. We don't, we have a lesser ego normally than men. Um, so we accept failure better and we accept learning better. Mm. Um, but in the same token, I think most of us are defined by our relationships and, you know, how if, if um, and you're only un, as happy as your unhappiest child. Yeah. And therefore, business and family are intertwined. Mm. Although I would, also say that, you know, my, my work head is very much a work head. I, I, I've been very much involved in the growth and driving my company for that 27 yeah. years.
0: You said that you believe that, and I'm just paraphrasing, that our success of our business really is a part of the relationships that we've had in the past. Um, I think I
1: think we are in business a lot of who we are as humans. Mm-hmm. So, um if you're driven it's usually because you're driven because of things that have happened in your personal life that have shaped you, mm. and then those echoes echo every day in your business so you you that that saying that you want to surround yourself with the best people to nurture you and take care of you and encourage you is really true mm. um and i I think i I think my company is a lot about. Who I was as a youngster that that, um, that I, I don't believe anything is not possible. I believe in hard work. I—I I don't know many people who've worked as hard as I've worked, mm. um, and I've worked hard to to pay the bills. Like when, when my when I was married, I I started tourists because I wanted us to have the things that I wanted to have, but I didn't see why it was all guys' responsibility to provide those.
0: One of the questions I had for you was about and you've said it in one of your videos where you've learned to sniff out a client if they're right for you or not. And I know every single woman on here, (laughs) been in business for a while, has had at least one nightmare clone. So I would love to know because it's really important that we know who we are, we know our our brand's core values how do we know how to sniff out as you would say if that client is right for you from the get-go I feel like I'm pretty good with it now but I tell you what I've definitely had something in the past that stretched me beyond belief How can we work that out? Is there something that we can do? Obviously, our branding shows a personality and there's different things, I'm sure, that will create that magnetic attraction. Though I just loved, I loved the word that you said. You said, we've got a pretty good idea now how to sniff out if someone's right or if someone's not. Yeah.
1: And and that's that's very true. Annette. And just to position how I can say that, you know, I'm not running an e-commerce site where I'm sh- selling shampoos or a product where I don't see the customer. Mm. I'm a professional services yeah. company offering consultancy services where I'm going to be, my team and I are going to be very close to the client and very deep for a long period of time. So yeah. just to caveat that you know i'm not i'm not in a retail shop yes. i'm i'm in, yeah. I'm in a shop. so as that my my team laugh that if someone someone comes into the boardroom they know that if the meeting lasts 10 minutes then it's not going to be a client and if the meeting <laughs> lasts an hour then it's going to be and i think that comes of being mature because i've been doing this a long time i think it mm-hmm. comes of being um interested in people which i am i i'm i'm still very much driven by meeting people and get and I love the energy of, of other people um or not you know and yeah. and I know walking into a room who I want to talk to and who I don't yeah yeah and I'm not going to waste one moment talking to someone that I don't want to talk to I'm not going to be rude and I'm not that I'm not that um orchestrated I'm just careful with my time yeah
0: and I think oh, I love that <laughs> I just love you saying you careful your time what I really love teaching with my clients is be detached from the outcome. Focus first on how you can serve, if, it, if you can feel that vibe and if it's a match because I do know a lot of the women on the show are coaches, consultants. They're, you know, in a similar field. And I feel like in a sales process, when you detach from the outcome of having to get that client You truly can be in that present moment where you can connect and see if there is a connection, feel the connection. There's something energetically that happens when you're really, like you're saying, you're present in that moment. And if you're not feeling that vibe, that's it. I think sometimes we're so attached that's when I know the one client that I did accept, it was when I was trying to hit a seven-figure mark. Like how many times we get that beaten into us, you know, so many years ago? And I pushed the close. And I never pushed the close. I did everything that I said not to do because I was so desperate in getting the sale and bingo. That was the pain in the ass client. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, my gosh. And that, look, so many people are going to, going to learn from your advice just then. And um, I know you're, you're, you're very talented at sales. And I tell my lovely team when I'm training them in sales that your job is to stop those people, those inquiries getting to me. Like When those prospect inquiries come yeah. true, mm-hmm. your, your job is to find every reason why they shouldn't meet me. Mm-hmm. And 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 of course, we're talking about simple qualification. Yes, that yeah. not everybody that rings your company is a prospect. Mm-hmm. And actually, your your job as CEO is to make sure you only let in people who are actually your profile of of yeah. of customer, and to make sure that no one else comes into your world because if they're not the right customer. The money you lose servicing them and the headache and the energy and the mental health,
0: <laughs> the energy, health.
1: everything else <laughs> so true. is going to be such a headache. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I've done this with clients and I've done it with staff. And when you hire them, oh, yes. work, the outcome is horrendous. Mm-hmm. And it's only horrendous to me because, um And I love you saying detach yourself from it because I've only used those words today in a meeting this morning where I've said, I'm the director of a company. This is not personal. Mm -hmm. This is about you building a case for me as to why I need to make a decision as Mm -hmm. a director of the company. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I do say, by the way, the best tip is to trust your gut. If your gut says it's not right, it's not right. But I have hired people on um, instinct that has been wrong over my probably probably 3 in 27 years which isn't bad um but jeez the headaches that you get when you get it wrong are 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 mm-hmm. so bad and and by the way that doesn't mean the people are wrong it means that you know they weren't the right fit for our business and we weren't the right fit for them so there's nothing yeah. personal in all of this but if you hire the wrong fit as a staff member and mm-hmm. you hire the wrong fit as a supplier or as a client mm-hmm every uh, the, the energy you have to expel is twofold for, or wow. threefold for every hour that 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 particular entity deserves
0: yeah you um, know I actually have and I love that you talked about just you know hiring your team because I truly believe if it isn't a fit if it's not a match then as a business owner you are doing that person also a disservice Because there's obviously somewhere out there that it is going to be a match where they will step into their genius zone. If they're not in their genius zone, or if it's bringing out bad energy of them, or there's just a massive conflict, it's the quicker you can make that decision to move them out, the faster they're going to find that next thing as well. So I feel like there's sometimes guilt around the business owner thinking you know, oh, you know, I don't want to leave this person in the lurch or that, you know, they get too much caught up in the rapport side of things, where at the end of the day, my belief is there's obviously a better match out there. Why hold them back? Why waste their time and your time?
1: Yeah, that's right. And and the key to that, of course, is having weekly meetings, outcomes, KPIs, Mm. and core values written into your employment contracts so that you can hold people accountable when they're not performing on core values and when they're not performing on KPIs. Mm. Um, You know, I think there's a lot of leniency going on at the moment out there. There's the fantastic COVID excuse, Mm. which is giving all sorts of people all sorts of excuses Um, and i think come on australia buck up the rest of the world isn't even talking about covid yeah let's Um,
0: just move on
1: (laughs) the flu the flu now is worse than covid unless of course those rare few where covid is awful um and for those you know I'm, i'm not speaking about that that minority but come on australia buck up productivity is down you know we've got to get back to work and um mental health has now become almost and that's not um, demeaning mental health anyway because I'm I'm a firm advocate for caring for my people. But um, there's a big COVID excuse out there, and mm. it's time for it to finish.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely agree with you, hundred percent. Time to move on.
1: I'm to move <laughs> definitely.
0: On. Now, talking of moving on, I want to get into the nitty gritty with branding. How do we know as a business. When is the right time to start investing in our brand? Is it in the startup phase? Is it once we're getting some runs on the board? Is it something when we start hiring the team? Is there a magic number? Is there a magic amount of years? Uh, and then I can imagine that we have to loop around to rebrand because I feel that the business is also a representation of the person that's the founder or who's running it. And as we grow, the brand grows. Mm-hmm. Can, can I, can I give a practical answer
1: when you've got enough money in the bank to be able to do it mm-hmm. and that it's, and that you're able to comfortably give that money over because to rebrand means that you've got to find a designer. You've got to do, probably do a bit of research and come up with a new colors, new, new image. And you then got to pop that on the website. So you've got to pay a graphic designer and you've got to, get new business cards printed and possibly echo that logo through. I mean, we're going more digital these days, so it's easier. We don't have to change a 1,000 brochures like we did when I was first out, first in marketing. Um, So first of all, for us as entrepreneurs, you've got to have the money in the bank to be able to do it. And secondly, it's great, of course, in an ideal world, you start off with a strong brand. Mm -hmm. But then, I mean, I've been in business 27 years and the tourist brand has probably gone through three iterations. Uh Um, and when when is it right to rebrand uh you're a bit bored a bit fed up looking at yourself or looking at the the company um (laughs) there's been a a catastrophic event like a pandemic or Mm -hmm. a financial crisis Mm -hmm. um where you feel that you need to make a change and you need to just get a breath of fresh air there's a competitive threat someone perhaps has come in lot funkier that you want to to take on um so there's a right time at any moment in your business history Mm. and again if it feels right in your gut to do it yeah and you've got the money in the bank to be able to do it um then then yes I mean Mm -hmm. if you're a shop it's a shop front of course if you're a delivery service it's your cars Mm -hmm. so there is a cost Mm -hmm. for me there's not been such a big cost because I'm a consultancy and I just had to change brochures and website um but all printed material if you were a you know if you were a company that used printed material Mm -hmm. it would be a cost so I think you've got to have the money in the bank to be able to do it well Mm -hmm. um I believe good branding cuts through. So the only reason you have a brand is to be able to say who you are clearly, so that someone else can go, "Oh yeah, I think that mm. you're, I think you're my tribe," and and yeah. match together quickly. You don't want to get that miss where you go, "Oh, I thought you looked like that, but no, you're that." Mm. So you want to get, you want to literally get that people doing business with you because you look like they do, and because you. You, you look and you tell them that the core values
0: are aligned. Mm. What about, because um, you've talked about the visual, but there's stuff deeper than that. And I've heard you talk about this too, about the messaging. How do we then, because a lot of people might think, okay, I'm going to do the branding, right? I'm going to get new colours, new photos, a new positioning statement on my website. <laughs> but there's deeper stuff here. What are some critical things that you think are really important to convey in branding or even what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see?
1: Yeah, nice. Annette, great question. So I believe that you need to have a very clear message with your brand so that when you're successful, you know what success looks like because if you just go out there with No, no message, no branding. How do you know when you've won? How do you know when you've hit your KPIs? Oh, that's nice. How do
0: you know when you've won?
1: Yeah. So, so if I'm working, we're working with clients. The first thing we do is get their messaging right. So that if we then get them in the media, we can measure back against those messages and Mm -hmm. we can say, yes, it's working. And we continually build on that and build a strategy. So, I don't know how companies would exist if they didn't have clear core values or clear messaging because otherwise what are they hanging their hat on when Mm. they're going out to market with any proposition? Mm. They've basically got no base. They're not standing on any decent foundations. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really firmly about those core brand values and the key messages.
0: Yeah. And when you talk about core values, because if you're talking about, say, a solo entrepreneur coming through, how do they know how to work it out? Where I've been with organisations and I've gone in and we're doing sales training. And we, You know, the fi- first thing, you know, we're finding out what the core values are because the messaging has to be right with how the team turns up on the phone and doing the follow-up calls and all that. How do we work out what our core values are? Because me as a solo entrepreneur, I wouldn't have had any idea even about mm-hmm. that until I worked in corporate. Well, um,
1: I mean, I remember that when I started out in business, you know, and I remember turning over my first two hundred thousand, and I met I met someone who was good with numbers and good with the you know P and L and accounting and finance, and he got me set up on all that. And he said to me right at the beginning, "If you're not good at it, find someone who is. Yes, get it set up." So the the first thing I learned was, I'd like to think I'm good at everything, but I'm not, mm. and so. I have amazing people in my life who are far better than me at things. I might be better at them at certain things, but that you find those heads, those hats in your business that can do it for you who are better than you. And that's one thing, the investment in setting your company up financially secure and the investment in setting your brand up so that it's secure are two Mm. very good things to invest in.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I think just to also go back on that is there's a stage in any business when it's time to invest in yourself. And if we have women that are in the startup phase, I know a lot of them are thinking, and I've been there too, where you think I can't afford it, but then you can't afford not to either
1: because
0: that's that missing link that's going to help you get to that next level. So I, I truly believe in what you're saying there, which is, there's going to be a time and a place when you need to invest. And I feel like that is the biggest compliment that you can give yourself in yes. business. And because there are I, a lot, lot. I believe in my brand. I believe in who I am. I believe in what we deliver. And every time you invest in that, you're helping that brand get bigger and get out there with that That's message. That's right.
1: And I am learning as a leader every single day. You know, the fact uh, the fact that I've been in business 27 years with the same brand I have to get up every day and learn new things to be relevant and stay relevant. And there's a lot of free advice out there. So now we've got this beautiful world of podcasts and lots of people will meet with you for coffee for free. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't always have to pay for things. I, I've had wonderful people elevate me in my life and I've elevated hundreds of people um, by just paying it forward. And by going to like, like this, that you're running and that is just so beautiful to be able to have, you know, if there's two things, someone picks up listening to us for an hour, we will have done our yeah. job. Um, And so listening to things like this, listening to podcasts, meeting with people, I always say, why go and listen to a generic advisor, go and listen to the people that have done what you want to do mm. and see if they'll meet you for coffee. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of free advice out there, far more now. When I started my oh, that's company, right. there was no internet. <laughs> like, there was no internet. You know, yeah. we had. I had Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Britannica on my mm. books on my shelf. There was no internet. Yeah. Um, so now we can just Google anything. We've got Wikipedia. We've got, um, we've got uh, TEDx. We've got you. Yeah. We've got mm-hmm. so much amazing stuff. Yeah. You can just look up core cool values, you
0: know, and bang, you've got your workshop there. Mm. Do you know what's interesting? Just what's come to me is circling back to the start of the interview when you were talking about the importance of the relationships and who we're around and that osmosis of energy to help lift you up right if you can't access great people around you for whatever reason or just to have that we can have that in our osmosis daily with what we plug into yeah with the podcast for me I don't know about you but whenever I'm exercising I'm on a podcast when I get in the car the podcast is on there's always around these incredible minds so that's sort of circling back as well with what you're saying about, you know, the relationships that you have in your life and with mentors. Mm-hmm. These mentors are just, you know, yeah, yeah. one click away on our phone.
1: They really are. Yeah. And, um, you know, I get out of bed every morning to build people, brands and businesses. That's my that's my go-to. So even if I won millions and millions of dollars, I'd want to get up in the morning and still do that. Um and there are lots of people out there who, who like me, want to build people. Um, mm-hmm. And my beautiful team who are sitting over here um, outside the boardroom here, you know, every morning I I wake up and I get a buzz because I can't wait to see them. and And I can't wait to impart on them what I've learned over 35 mm-hmm. years in the workforce. And then they're young and gorgeous or mature and experienced, and they teach me too. And it's just such a fabulous place to be you know that's this this and and i mean the big mantra of course of all of this is do what you love because then it doesn't feel like work um mm. and i do it, i do love my work
0: oh that's so beautiful it, it, how nice is that to say that right isn't that beautiful to say that
1: yeah that yeah. you
0: love your work
1: yeah. i know
0: my son says to me He gets so excited about work because I've built what I love. I've created what I've loved and it took a while to get there, like to work out what is it I really love. And it's always the things that I'm normally in my genius zone, you know, is is that area. Now there's going to be times in your life, I'm sure, Sharon, 27 years of business that there have been some real pivotal times that have maybe stretched you beyond belief. Uh, but when you've come out the other end, there has been some magnificent learnings yeah. or when you've turned into a greater entrepreneur, businesswoman. What would be something that you could share with us, a story or a journey sure. that really it's made who you are today?
1: Oh, ladies, I hope that if I share this, then I can protect you from making the same mistakes. But the global financial crisis, 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. that taught me to have my emergency fund. So now I do from that year onwards have um, money in the bank that I can call upon that if something went belly up, I've got so many months of operating revenue sitting there. So do have your emergency fund ready. Um, Have a great relationship with your bank and your accountant. Uh, Pay people on time always or ahead of time. And then that one day when you need help and perhaps you're on tough times, You can ask them to help you too by stretching payment terms because you've always been the honourable one and supported them. Um, But I know 2007, 2008 was the year that I I had my most difficult year with the business, Mm -hmm. and from that moment on, I was able to get a loan from the bank Mm -hmm. and it carried me through. But. But from there on I've, and I don't have a loan in the business at the moment, but I have an emergency fund. So yes. I'm self-funding self, self funding my, my mm-hmm. emergency fund. And up until that point I was self-funded, but I didn't have enough um, emergency fund in the bank. And I had yes. to get a, you know, I was at the mercy of the banks. So that never again. Um, then, of, of course, divorce uh, and um, bringing up children isn't always mm-hmm. as easy as it sounds um breast cancer oh. ten oh. years of breast oh. cancer um, at what stage is that in the business i I got diagnosed um, nine years ago mm. so wow. the business would have been going for eighteen years um and and that's that's a whole different ballgame when you see your mortality and when you're wondering in fact the 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 second diagnosis I got was on the day that I decided to move from the suburbs into George Street, Sydney, in the beautiful big office with, you know, the the lift going up the middle of it. And um, I rang my landlord and said I was about to sign on a four-year lease. I didn't know I was going to live that long and um, said, would it be possible to at least have a break clause so that I'm not signing on a lease that, you know, my children will be left with the liability of. Um, And I remember he said, look, I'm not running a charity here. It's a business. So no. And so I signed that day on a four-year lease, moving the company into the middle of Sydney, bang, middle of George Street, um, knowing that I had a diagnosis that, you know, I wasn't sure whether I was going to be there six months later. Um, That took a lot of courage. And then, you know, you get through one cancer and then a second one comes back and then a third one. Oh, Um, wow. And now I'm living living with it. So you kind of realize that your own mortality is always up there for, for question. Um, I, I think they're they're the big things. Probably, um, as I say, I've probably had, um, you know, less than a handful, which is really great in all that time of, of, of team members that were, um, were, were not the right choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always, I find, really painful. Um, because if you think my mantra is to come to work, to build people up, if you're in an environment where you can see someone is not building, they're actually not functioning or they're not not in the right place. And that's a very, that that goes straight to the core of who I am and who I don't, don't you know, I want to build people and make them successful, not, not see them not successful. Yeah. Um, so that's some of those have been really great experiences where I've been able to move people on quickly, some of them less so um and they're scarring they're really they're mm-hmm. very scarring uh, I don't find clients too difficult um because we have a 30-day exit clause which they think is all in there for them but no it's for me you don't if you know if if I don't like your smell I'm getting out of here um and people some people are very good at the interview stage and you know and then they they show their real colors yeah. some months in And I will not have my team mistreated and I will not spend time with anyone who isn't meeting the core values of this business.
0: We have um, what's called uh, a Convert Club Promise. So one of the programs that we have, it's a 12-month program and we have them sign this Convert Club Promise and we walk it through with them. And the uh, third one on the list Says no dickhead policy. It actually has the word "dickhead" <laughs> because, again, you don't want people that are hard work, rude for no apparent reason. And we've only had to pull out the no dickhead policy once. It was two months ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, interesting. Well, thank goodness you've got it there.
0: Yeah, and we thought, you know what? We we'll just put it in. We're going to put that word in because we can't explain it any other way. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, circling back to something that you've just said um, about with Taurus, you've rebranded three times. Going through such a significant event as cancer and three times with that, was that one of the stages when you came back to rebrand? Like how did you, did you show up differently to work? Was there a different way that you looked through your eyes Um,
1: Um, I don't think the rebrands fell in sync with cancer. Um, My last rebrand fell in sync with the COVID pandemic Uh because I felt like we needed to breathe new life into the business and show that we were still here and we'd got through Mm -hmm. Um, and that the communications was really important through the pandemic Mm -hmm. um, and how we communicate with our uh, our audiences through that time was really important and I felt like we all needed a boost mm-hmm. um, so that was an internal and external drivers that drove the third rebrand second rebrand was way back in 2005 because I started in 1995 mm-hmm. I started off with a logo in 95 and then I rebranded in 2005 um, to what I would call quite a modern logo, which actually still says is still the same today. We just changed the color a year ago. We changed the color a year ago to go for gold. So we changed the
0: blue Taurus logo to gold. Love gold. How much did it make an impact psychologically, physically, emotionally, energetically to you, to the brand, to the team moving the office into George Street, Sydney?
1: Yeah, that was a big decision as well. Hmm. particularly you know particularly going through radiotherapy in my first four months in there um going to george street was a mistake for me um it was right up by it was just opposite the strand on george street Mm -hmm. and it was more the retail end of business yes i
0: know it was so
1: it wasn't really very good for walking no well not that we wanted to walk in but it wasn't really where good for for shopping But by a quarter of a million dollar consulting project, not exactly. Um, so great to get to the shops, but not great for business. Mm-hmm. But gave me the confidence to be in the city and be paying city rents. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what happened. When I did get breast cancer, we met negotiated and negotiated, and I think it took us four years, but I negotiated out of the contract in George Street and went into a we work in uh-huh in the nearer towards barangaroo in in um wynyard station Mm
0: -hmm. where i had a
1: month-to-month arrangement Mm -hmm. and that meant that i didn't have that financial liability hanging over me that if i got another cancer diagnosis and and that would be the end i wouldn't have a big rent agreement to to get out of so we went to WeWork. And then we then moved after that into Barangaroo and we're now in Tower 3, Barangaroo. And I feel like pretty women in it every day. I walk into Tower 3, these great big towers, and my, the company name is just under KPMG, uh, you know, in the lobby. And I feel like I've made it. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: So that question, when I was asking, so the energy is now because obviously yeah. I'm going through, you know, terrible time a hard time
1: yeah I think George Street was exciting for our clients we've been with the, most of our clients a long time mm-hmm. I think they were excited when I went into George Street because it was the city I think they were interested when I went to WeWork and thought it was clever because I was around other entrepreneurs and we're an agency specializing in entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and I think now when we walk into Barangaroo they're kind of like the jaw drops because yeah. if I turn the screen around I'm sitting here on the 22nd floor looking over Darling Harbour I can and see I, and I'm 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 from London, and have lived, wants to come to Sydney, Australia since I was born. And I cannot believe I'm looking here. I'm looking over the airport, looking over Darling Harbour. Yeah. There's TV studios on our floor. We're sitting here with what a great energy. Beth, anchors it's a great energy. So mm-hmm. yes, you're very you you know you're very true in the, in that energy is everything and um and rebrand when you i feel that energy needs to be rekindled
0: yeah, yeah i love it um, let's talk about these final two questions we have women in the startup phase let's just say the first one to two years just got products maybe stepped into coaching we know coaching is very saturated right now um or they fell into a business business because they're good at what they do, and now maybe they've stepped away from corporate into entrepreneurship, but they're in startup. I'd love for you to give a piece of advice that you feel would really help them just get through it easier, safer, or one thing, again, that you wish that someone told you. And then we've got the female business owner, and she knows her worth. She's built a business. She's got the team or she's about to build the team, she's going through some type of scaling. Piece of advice for each of them based on your own okay. journey. Well, first,
1: yeah, firstly, I'm sending both of you a hug, all of you ladies <laughs> out there who are doing that, because it's not for the faint-hearted and, look, salute. Um to take care of your own health through it all, because if you go down, the business goes down. Um, surround yourself with the people that are going to help you get to where you want to go in the next two years, not next five years, next two years. So immediately put around you um, experts in what you in what keeps you awake at night. So mm-hmm. if something's keeping you awake at night, there's a chance that you need advice on it. Find the person that's going to give you advice, whether it's a friend whether it's a business network, whether it's someone externally, whether it's a paid consultant, but but stop labouring over the stuff you don't need to labour
0: over and get it fixed. Move on and be smart. It's the suffering. I know when I started, I felt like I should know it because I came from sales training. But I should realise I didn't know everything. I didn't know marketing. I didn't know branding. But there was a stage there when I really first started. I'm telling you, the first like three to six months, I remember I was even embarrassed to say, I don't know this. Now I'm like, <laughs> yeah. this it's is good. what I'm in. Otherwise, <laughs> it's just from wisdom. It's just from my own experience.
1: That's right, and then um, and then those of you who are either looking to scale up or in your first two years have that cash flow plan absolutely ace. Have a financial planner or not a financial planner, accountant, bookkeeper who literally plots your plots your cash flow because revenue, you know, profit doesn't kill businesses. Lack of lack of cash flow does, yes, um, and we've had instances. Oh, in twenty seven years, you know, plenty of times where cash flow has been. Um, a worry so you you really want to make sure that your cash flow is is operating like clockwork and you know on any day of the month what you will have in the bank due to the fact that you've got that money going out and that money coming in Mm -hmm. and and not enough it it, that is the thing that kills businesses cash Mm -hmm. flow so guard against it take that risk away stop worrying about things you can't fix, and find someone that can fix them, and move on to what you can do because you'll accelerate. And two, make sure your cash flow planning, planning is absolutely spick
0: and span. Love it. If you had somebody that was identical to you, she's been in business twenty seven years. She knows she knows her weight weight and gold like she knows it. What would be a piece of advice that you would give to someone like yourself? Besides, um, giving you a hug again <laughs> and a trophy. Yeah, another hug. Um, <laughs>
1: I think, oh, my gosh, if I was to give myself, I haven't Someone been very. You, a mirror of you, a woman who's yes. been in business a
0: long time.
1: I, I would have said buy those investment properties back when you should have done. Because <laughs> <laughs> I never did. I always held mm. on to, you know, mm. I, never, I never had that bigger, bigger I could be really wealthy picture. Yeah. I was always too busy on my smaller minded, you know, keep, keep everything yeah. safe. And I wish I'd taken more risks in um, investing in those years where I could have done.
0: Well, I'll share these situations. Say we've got women that are 55 and they've built a business, though the business still heavily relies on them and they have a team in place, though for them to really be able to exit and to be able to either build the next thing or just so the business doesn't heavily rely on them. What do you think would need to happen with them? Because I do know a few women that do listen to the show that are in that situation. They're seasoned entrepreneurs, but the business so heavily relies on them. If they were to walk out, if something ever happened to them, heaven forbid, in their health even, then the infrastructure there that they play is such an important role. Yeah,
1: That's really important when you need a scenario plan because, so some women don't don't want a succession plan. They'll just get it to a point, close it down and retire. Other people want to pass it to their staff mm-hmm. so that their staff take it over and that person goes into a chairman-like role, mm-hmm. chairmanship. Others want to actually normalise the figures and sell it off, but then they know they'll have to work in it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. your your options really are only run it into the ground, pass it to your staff, yeah. sell it sell it to a competitor that you should have your eyes on now Mm -hmm. um so they are your options and I don't know I've had this question asked of me so many times in the last 10 years there's no pressure unless there's a pressure like there's you know Mm -hmm. I'm I'm fit and I love my job and I could probably keep going for another 10-15 years Um, and uh, yes yes like house prices have just peaked there's probably a time where Marketing agencies will peak or PR agencies will peak. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I think if you love what you're doing Mm -hmm. and you're healthy and there's no actual pressure on you, then don't put the pressure on yourself Mm -hmm. too much if it's not necessary. Um, If you have in your head that you had a a deadline to retire at 60, well, then that is a self imposed Mm -hmm. deadline that you need to Mm -hmm. to work towards. But I think succession is an over amplified issue um yeah. so i think it's very much based on the individual your financial motivators your energy motivators your passion your love and it and it, and don't put pressure on yourself
0: for succession if it doesn't feel like a pressure mm-hmm. love that well it has been a incredible conversation we have gone all over the place and i love it i love it love it love it love it sharon williams thank you so much for uh sharing your time and your genius today how can the ladies find out more about you and if they want to work with you how do they go about oh look uh, that would be wonderful
1: if anyone wants to say hi i'm on linkedin sharon williams Taurus is on LinkedIn. Um, SharonWilliams.com is my website. TaurusMarketing.com.au is the, the company website. So say hi to me on LinkedIn. I'd love to,
0: I'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Now, do you still have the TV show as well? Yeah, yes. we've got tourist TV. That's a lot of fun. Oh gosh, ladies, what we'll have is wherever you're listening today to the show, when you scroll below, there's a link there. And that will take you through to everything that has been mentioned on today's interview. All the links that you can go and stalk Sharon out and also the TV show, (laughs) we'll have links everywhere. So um, we'll have them all listed. So just uh, click that one link below and that will take you through the blog page for today's interview. Uh, Sharon, I do actually finish on one question and I really want to ask you, what is the one thing that you do on a very regular basis that it's some type of physical activity or something that's not about being at your desk it's not about the work it's something that you do that you know when you do it it makes you the happiest version of you what would it be
1: so that's ocean swimming Annette I try an ocean swim most oh. mornings seven o'clock um manly to Shelley Beach and back 1.6k no wetsuit and oh. you know you're alive How long have you been doing that for? Um, I've been swimming in the ocean probably now for about 10 years and I've been doing the Manly to Shelley for about
0: two and a half. Wow. I would be swimming really fast. (laughs) I'd be scared of the sharks and the gold. (laughs)
1: So I don't pay for that cryotherapy, you know. I get it. Yeah, that's moment. right. That, this, this is it.
0: <laughs> uh so beautiful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your genius and uh we can't wait to be in contact with you again. Lovely, thank you. A joy. You're listening to the Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought, or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out.